If you'd like to turn now with me in your Bibles, turn to the book of Hebrews. We'll be in Hebrews in chapter 1 this morning. And before we read, would you please pray with me? Lord, you've said to us, that he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Lord, would you work that now in us? Would you give us ears to hear and cause us to hear, cause us to listen and bring us then to believe what you have spoken to us? Lord, would you guide us now by your spirit? We do trust you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Hebrews in chapter 1. If these verses sound familiar, it's because they're the same ones from last time. But we'll begin here in chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is God's word. Now, we have only just begun our new journey through the book of Hebrews. Last time we were together, we took our first dip into the water, just touching our toe into the pond. That was uh, Epiphany Sunday, And if you were here, you'll remember that Epiphany, then, is the time in which we celebrate the fact that Jesus has appeared to the world. So we looked in this section of Hebrews uh, how, how Christ is talked about as the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of God's nature, that Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So God wants us to know him. And he has shown himself to us mainly through the appearance of Jesus. This week, we're going to back up to the very beginning of of this section as we continue to lay the groundwork for Hebrews. We won't always go quite this slow in examining verses this intensely, but we want to make sure that we set ourselves up well for the rest of Hebrews. So we'll be looking here at at this first verse and the first part of verse 2. Let me read it again. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. So the question for us this morning is, what does it mean for us that God has spoken? What does it mean for us 
that God has spoken. So as we explore that question, that actually leads us to back up even a little further and ask a question before that as we read, which is this. Who is talking to me here? When I, when I open my Bible and turn to the book of Hebrews, who is the writer of Hebrews? Who am I looking at here? And that's a good question to ask in general of anything that we read. So, so if, uh, if Laura and I are having dinner together, and in the middle of dinner, Eliza suddenly gets really red cheeks. Uh, you know, and, and we look at that and wonder, what is this? Is this an, you know, an allergy? Is she overheating? Is this a fever? Is this something I need to be concerned about? So being the good millennials that we are, what do we do but you know, hop on, uh, on the internet? Before we even call anyone else, what does the internet say about these things? And so we go into Google, clack, you know, clack in the symptoms and, and hit enter, and what pops up is you know five million hits. And, and there's all these voices then that are talking to me, saying sometimes different things. So as I read these things, I want to be asking, who is talking to me right now? Is the person that I'm reading, are, are, are they a doctor or some sort of trained medical professional? Is the person speaking perhaps a mom who has seen this happen hundreds of times in her own kids? Or, or is this someone who's just tossing in their own unfounded opinions with, with no background whatsoever? In fact, there are lots of those sorts of things. But who it is that's talking to me should impact how I listen. So in the same way, when we're engaging with things like political commentary, either on TV or, or on Facebook posts or sometimes in conversation, it's helpful to ask, who is talking to me here? You know, is, it, it, where is this person getting his or her information? Where are they getting their numbers or statistics? Um, what alliances or allegiances might that person have, and, and are they being fair to the opposition? Um, is, is this person someone who is reasonable, able to engage in a thoughtful discourse about these things, or does this person tend to just put up a fight no matter who they're talking to? It's helpful to ask those sorts of questions, and also to be aware that those other people might be asking those questions of you as you're engaging in these sorts of things. When we do this, the point of this, when we ask who's talking to me here, the point is not to make us skeptics, not to constantly be on our guard and, and, and not trust anything we hear. That's not the point. The reason why we want to ask this is because Christians care about truth. We care about what's right. And so we want to be thoughtful, engaging listeners of truth. So now, as we ask the question of Hebrews, who is talking to me here? Who is the writer of this? The answer to that question is, I don't know. I don't know. And the author's not trying to hide it. The author just does not tell us who he is. And I think, actually, there's a good reason for this. If you look at the previous book, if you've got a pew Bible in your lap, I th you don't even have to turn a page. It's on the opposite page. Uh, the letter to Philemon, the very open of that letter in this prior book, 
Um, you see tons of names mentioned right there in the open. Paul, a prisoner for Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, and he mentions other people, Aphia, and Archippus, and at the end, he mentions tons of other names, Epaphras, Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke. You recognize this form. This, uh, to Philemon, is in the form of a letter. Hebrews, however, is different. Hebrews is written not as a letter. Even if the title that's added in by the editors, like my Bible says, the letter to the Hebrews, that's probably not the case. In fact, scholars tend to agree, and, and I have become convinced of this as well, that this letter, this what's called the letter to the Hebrews or the book to the Hebrews is likely not a letter, but instead is a sermon. The book of Hebrews is actually a sermon. So you are now listening to a sermon about a sermon. Some sermon inception happening here. Uh, so what we call this book of Hebrews was probably preached to a particular church, and then the written form of that sermon had a universal benefit to the church of God, and so was circulated to the broader church. And there was even perhaps uh, this little uh, addition at the very end just for clarity where whoever the writer is mentions a few people in particular, Timothy and, and people um, in Italy, probably Rome. Um, and in that closing, the writer calls this writing a word of exhortation. That's what we're looking at a word of exhortation. So the writer is making an appeal to the listeners, urging them, calling them to act upon something. That's the goal. So given that, I think the author does not identify himself because that would be strange to do in a sermon, just like I don't mention my own name generally when I'm preaching. And also just because it's not necessary for him to mention his name. Whoever the original audience, the original hearers of this sermon, knew and trusted their preacher. So now, for us, 2,000 years later, um, whoever this is, his identity is known to us. We know it's a him, because the pronouns he uses are, are male. But beyond that, we just have, all we have is a guess. I have an educated guess on who the writer to the Hebrews is, uh, but it's, it, I won't mention it because it's just barely a guess. Um, so when we ask, who is talking to me? Who is the writer here? We just have to content ourselves to answer, we don't know. But... That does not mean we shouldn't listen. Why? I think, not only because this is just the Bible here that we're looking at, but if we are careful readers of this, and we want to be that, if we are careful readers, you will notice that the author here in the opening is pointing to speakers other than himself. Verse 1 long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke. God spoke. And the way he has spoken, he says, there are two branches. He once spoke by his prophets, and now he has spoken by his son. 
Those are the two ways in which God has spoken. So you remember when we talked about prophets some many months, years ago, in the Old Testament, prophets are not predictors of the future, at least not primarily. These are not fortune tellers that are going to tell us what's going to happen. The prophets in the Old Testament were the mouthpiece of God. They said what God has said. They had given, been given authority to do that. That's why they often say, thus saith the Lord, not me. And this was serious business to speak on behalf of God. In fact, it was, it was such a serious business that in the book of Deuteronomy, there's this extensive discussion about how to discern whether or not a prophet was really true, whether he was from God. And if it came out that that prophet was not from God, they were to put that person to death. The goal there was to keep people from volunteering their own opinions about God saying, well, I think God is kind of like this, and I think God is kind of like that. They're trying to prevent heresy or untrue things about God. They're trying to avoid the five million Google hits of all the voices so that we have to speak through it. God wants us to hear him, so he spoke through his prophets. For centuries, the people of God listened to God this way. Long ago, and many times and in many ways, they listen to God through the prophets. Now, says the author of Hebrews, God has, has still spoken, but he's spoken by something greater than the prophets. He has spoken by his son, Jesus. And Jesus is not the mouthpiece of God. Jesus is the very mouth of God. So all that Jesus says, God says. And that's not that Jesus is negating the voice of the prophets. In fact, we'll see the prophets speaking very often through the book of Hebrews, but that Jesus is bringing clarity and understanding to what the prophets have said. Basically, he's clearing out the static on the radio, tuning the dial just a little bit so that we can hear it more clearly, so that we can hear God this, then, is the launch pad of Hebrews, the reality that God has spoken first by his prophets and now by his very son. So I don't want us to miss this. Hear me now. God has spoken. Are you listening? God has spoken. Are you listening? In the rest of our time here, I want to help draw out three ways in which we as followers of Jesus can be good listeners of God speaking. So here's bullet points if you like those sorts of things. First, God has spoken. Are you listening? We want to listen biblically. In other words, we listen to his word. We listen to the Bible. And if that seems, seems obvious, like that should be something that goes without saying, this is why I think it's important to say it. 
Sometimes we hear, maybe you've even said this or felt this yourself, uh, God told me such and such. Sometimes hear those sorts of things someone mentions. God told me such and such as if God has sent me personally a letter in the mail apart from the Bible. And that we don't see that in the, scripture, in the scriptures as the standard for Christians. That's not the call for believers, that we would get a voice of God apart from his word. If that happens, it may be just as likely that you're hearing the voice of your own desire coming up in your mind, or even more frightening, the voice of the enemy coming up in your mind. Or sometimes we, we see uh, people who are faced with really big decisions or perhaps really heavy hardships. Uh, and so we're faced with questions like, should I, should I buy this car? Should I move to this city? Or, or, God, why have you done this to me? Those sorts of things. And, and sometimes in light of those, you, you might hear people say, I'm having trouble hearing from God. Or I'm waiting to hear God speak. Let's just be honest here for a moment. That approach is not listening to God. That is telling God the kinds of things that he ought to say. That's actually talking over God. Now to be clear, it is not wrong to seek the wisdom of the Lord please do that. It is not wrong to cast your burdens and cares on the Lord. Please, please do that. He loves us. He hears us. So pray to him. Bring those things to him. But if we want to hear God speak, it's here in his word. He is always speaking in his word. So if we want to really listen to God, we could open to really anywhere, but we could open here to the book of Hebrews. And if we read through, we would hear God speak things like, Christ has suffered when tempted, and so he's able to help those who are being tempted. We would hear God speak things like, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear, what can man do to me? We will hear God speak things like, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. And while these things may not answer the question that we're asking of God, when we stop to really listen to what God has said, it will reframe how we're seeing these situations of life. God has spoken. Are you listening biblically? So there's the first for us. We want to listen biblically. Here's the second way we could listen. We want to listen submissively. We want to listen submissively. If, if we or really anyone comes at the Bible looking to defend particular actions or attitudes of our own heart, you can always find a way to do it. 
that's why even extremist groups, radical groups, even hateful groups will sometimes use the Bible as a club that way, and they give Christians a bad name by doing so, but they are not really listening to God speak. A submissive listener comes before the word of God with a posture of expectation that he will transform us according to his will. That we actually ask him to do that when we come to his word. And sometimes that's a comfort to us to be transformed according to his will. Sometimes it's a comfort. Sometimes, however, that's a rebuke to us. If your primary contact with the Bible is through an artistically painted verse that hangs on your wall or or through a devotional book that just picks out one verse a day, you are likely not listening to the Bible submissively. Not because these things are bad, but because these books and situations often choose particular verses that will bring comfort and peace. And the Bible does bring comfort and peace. Praise God for that. But the Bible will also call out sin in our hearts. It will pierce down to our very depths if we're really listeners of it. We will find in the coming months some of the sweetest words as we go through the book of Hebrews that will be medicine for your soul. But we will also find some of the sternest, even frightful warnings in the New Testament. If, while reading the Bible, it doesn't sometimes sting you, you aren't really listening. The Bible is like a mirror to help us see ourselves and to be changed by it. That's what James says. This will be a familiar verse to many of us, I'm sure. James says in chapter 1, starting in verse 22, he says this, "Be, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing You can hear James' point in there, I think. Um, Have we really seen ourselves if we look into a mirror and instantly forget what we've seen when we walk away? And in the same way, have we really listened to God if we've heard our words and do nothing as soon as we walk away from them? There are many, many people who treat God's word this way. 
In fact, in Jesus' day, even the religious leaders often did this, and he called them hypocrites for doing so. They read their scriptures every day, but they never really heard a word of it because it never changed their lives. Listening then, listening without submission isn't listening. So I beg you, I entreat you, come to the word of God willing to be shaped by God's voice. God has spoken. Are you listening submissively? Last one. Here's the third. We want to listen biblically. We want to listen submissively. Here's the third. We want to listen delightfully. We want to listen delightfully. We know that good listening, really of anything, takes time. It takes some effort. But when something takes energy, that does not mean it has to be a burden to us. The prophet Ezekiel, when he's speaking, talks about the word of God being sweet like honey in his mouth. And the prophet Jeremiah, just a single verse, a little nugget in the book of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 15, he says this, verse 16. Jeremiah is now speaking to the, to the Lord. He says, your words were found and I ate them. Your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. I love that. I want to be like that, that I would desire his words so much that I eat them. But, but, This third one, to listen delightfully, is also the most challenging of the three. Because I can force myself to listen biblically, plop my Bible on my lap, read through it, really, you know, put the Bible there in front of me. I can force myself even to listen submissively, to drudge myself through obedience of what the Bible says. But how do I force myself to listen with delight. Because if I just come to the word and grin and bear it, that's not delight. That's hypocrisy. I want to actually hang on every word of God. And I know sometimes there are physical challenges to these sorts of things. There are sometimes distractions in our day, kids, uh, pressures of work. There are sometimes time limits that, that stand in our way. There are sometimes issues with reading comprehension, and there may be struggles with particular attention. These are real things. We acknowledge them. Some may struggle with others more than some others do. Uh, but these things can be overcome. I know this because our two-year-old who can't read, reads sometimes more than I do. She just begs to have someone read to her. She's listening to books, either in recordings or to have someone read to her in person. The real challenge to listening is not physical challenge. The real challenge is our own heart. It's our own desire. 
We don't listen to God with delight because we don't want to. And we need to know that to neglect the word of God is very serious sin. And it will destroy us if we let it. We want that sin to be purged of us. God has spoken. Are you listening delightfully? The good news about this last one is, even though I cannot create delight in myself, is that by his grace and power, Jesus can and does do these sorts of things. We know that Jesus felt this himself. The very famous quote from the Old Testament when he says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He hung on these words of the Old Testament. And so if we want to, like him, listen delightfully to God's word, we ask him, we ask Jesus to plant that desire deep in us. Lord, help me to hunger to hear the word of God. Would you create a delight and even taste for your words like honey? That when it's missing, that I feel the hunger for God's word, just like I feel hunger for food. That I would come to crave the voice of God that I wouldn't want to ever do without it. So that I would come to listen delightfully. This sermon, and the book of Hebrews in general, is not... (laughs) is not just a plug to read your Bible more. Although I hope you do that. I mean, if we need to feed our bodies physically with food every day, even multiple times a day, how much more do we need to feed our spirit on the Word of God? But that's not the plug. My greater hope for me and for us is that we listen to him biblically, submissively, and delightfully because we see the worth of God's words. That we see God's words as life for us that we cannot do without. When Jesus called himself the bread of life, when he was traveling through the area, he, also, he said, I am the bread of life. He also said some very challenging things about himself, challenging things about what belief looks like and what it meant to follow him. And as a result, when he said those things, many who heard Jesus grumbled. They took offense, and they no longer followed him. They plugged their ears and stopped listening. And in that moment, this is in John chapter 6, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says to them, do you want to go to? And one of them, by the grace of God, says this, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the very words of eternal life. And see there that in that moment they really 
got it. Of all the voices in the world that they wanted to hear the voice of God, which culminates in Jesus, and they knew that this was the only source of true life for them, that is true for you. God has spoken. Are you listening? Would you pray with me? Lord, would you help us to hang on your every word, to really desire these things? Would you conquer the sin in our hearts? Do what we cannot and brush it aside. Take away those things that keep us from listening to you. Help us then to tune in because you have the words of eternal life. Where else can we go? Thank you for speaking to us. Help us to listen. We trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.